Today, as we uh, continue this sermon series, looking at the very first chapters of the Bible, the beginning of Genesis, we turn to today, Genesis chapter 3. I, I don't know if I can overstate the importance of this chapter. As adults, we, we have any number of why questions, as children too, and so many of those why questions are answered in this chapter. Why does someone I care about get cancer? Why can I get bad grades at school? Why is there school? Why does the dentist cost so much for our kids? Why is there rust? Why heart attacks? Why ICUs? Why is there such a thing as sex trafficking? Why is someone late for work? Why? It, so many why questions, and all of them are answered here in this very important chapter. Because Genesis 3 is that chapter that tells us about the fall. So let's set the stage. God had created this world, and it was amazing. It was just the way he wanted it to be. It was very good. And God, when he made human beings, Adam and Eve, they were the height of his creation, and, and everything was so good. Their will perfectly aligned with God's will. He had given them a job to do more than that. They were created in the image of God, which meant Everything was perfect. Every relationship, everything was amazing. And, and God had given them a simple command. Don't eat fruit from this one tree in the middle of the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, some people have wondered and asked, but by doing that, wasn't God setting them up to fail? And by, by saying, don't eat from this one tree, wasn't he just tempting them to, to try that one tree out? Well, let's think about this. Do you know how many trees there are in the world right now? Estimated over three trillion trees. Now, you kind of assumed that there would have been more trees back then, but let's just say it's the same. Three trillion trees. And out of the three trillion trees, God said, don't eat fruit from one of them. Was that really setting them up to fail? Really? So, so why, why even give that command at all? Well, by obeying this one command, not eating that fruit from that one tree, that was their way of showing their appreciation for this universe that God had created for them. It was their way of giving thanks. It was their way of, of worshiping God and showing how important he was to them. And so that's what they did until one day. 
Genesis chapter 3 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. All right, there is so much that we could talk about in this chapter. A talking snake. Snakes don't talk. It's possible even Adam did not know that. They were learning things about this creation, new things every day. It's possible they just thought it was something new that they hadn't discovered yet. However, even Adam thought about it, it's the first record of demon possession. Satan possessing the snake. And by asking just a few questions, Satan planted that seed of, of doubt. Did, did God really say? And he started twisting their perception of reality. Instead of this command not to eat that tree, uh, fruit from that tree, instead of that command being a way of God keeping evil from them, Satan got them to start thinking of it as a way of God keeping good from them. Now, if you are here two weeks ago, I talked about how when God made Adam and Eve, he made them able not to sin. That They were able to be perfect. But here, they ate the fruit. They ate it. Genesis tells us, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fid leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Again, there's so much we could talk about. But Adam was right there. Adam was right there with Eve, and he did not lead. He didn't say anything. He didn't stop Eve from eating that fruit. She ate it, and he ate it too. And in that moment, the universe changed. And they felt shame. They got some fig leaves and made some kind of clothing. By the way, fig leaves are four to six inches big. They're, they're pretty big. And then they tried to do something that's absolutely impossible. They tried to hide from God. What Adam and Eve did in, in this moment, the, the fall, 
affected and infected all of the universe. It was this moment that brought all those things that we ask why. Although the devil lied to them, he did say something true. He said they were no good and evil. And, and the Hebrew word that's translated here is no. Um, it means no by experience. It's not you know something because someone else told you or you know something because you read it. You know it because you've lived it. And that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. They knew good. They experienced the perfection of paradise. And now they knew evil by experience. And then there was death. Now, there's a number of ways you can define death. Probably the, the simplest way is, is that death is separation. So when we think of death, it's the separation of body and soul. Here in the garden, there is now separation between God and people. Before this, God, God came and talked with Adam and Eve, and it was this amazing thing. But now, by eating this fruit, there was this separation between God and people. It's a separation that's been passed on from generation to generation. The problem was their doing. But it's also our doing. And if you like filling in the blank, that's our first fill in the blank in the worship folder. The problem was their and our doing. We, um, we, given to the devil's tricks and lies so much. The Apostle Paul, he, um, he wrote to the Corinthians. But what he wrote to them is certainly true of us. And, and this is what he wrote. I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Eve and Adam, they were deceived by the serpent's cunning, and so many times Satan's cunning, his tricks, his temptations get to us. And when that happens, we start the blame game. Adam, he blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. They, they, they passed on that responsibility from person to person. And what, what happens to us? Oh, I, I didn't know what the speed limit was. I forgot. Well, she did it first. I lost track of time. They're doing it too. And on and on and on. We fall into those same temptations and we add, we, we pile on into this accumulative mountain of sin that humanity has committed. 
the problem is not just Adam and Eve. It's also our doing. This separation from God, we've made that gap even bigger. That's the problem. The solution is all God's doing. Our next fill in the blank. So God, he could have done any number of things. He could have said, that's it, and just destroy everything that he had just made not long before this. He could have just wiped out humanity and left the world to the animals. He could have just said, you're on your own and just walked away from his creation. He could have done any number of things, but he didn't. Instead, he showed his love. In talking directly to the devil, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So, so let me explain this a little bit. Um, between uh, her offspring, your offspring, and hers. So, so the offspring, those that, think of those that follow. So those that, that follow the devil and those that follow Eve, follow her and, and her trust in God. And so basically you have the, these two groups, um, good versus evil. And one of those offspring of Eve, he will crush the serpent's head and the serpent, Satan, will, will strike his heel. That one offspring is the coming Savior. It's maybe a, I don't know, a little cryptic, but this is the promise. The first promise of God's solution to our problem. The promise of a Savior. Now, when Adam and Eve had sinned, God made new clothes for them. And it was clothes from animals, so there, there was death right there. That covered up their shame, so to speak. Jesus, the, this coming offspring that would crush Satan's head, he would cover up our sin, our shame, by death as well, his, his own. And of course, that was not just for Adam and Eve. That was for all of us. I, I love this modern paint, painting trying to depict this. And it shows that snake, that serpent, that ancient serpent, Satan. His head being crushed, and at the same time, Jesus' heel being crushed. And of course, no, it's, it's on the cross. It's, it's interesting, in the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, it's the same word, crush and strike. It's the same word in Hebrew, but what is being crushed or stricken is what shows the significance. A head being crushed and stricken, that, that's defeat. That, that is death. And that happened on the cross. 
where all those times that we, we pass the blame, we, we shift that blame to someone else, Jesus goes over and takes that onto himself, and he died for it. That big mountain of accumulated sin of all humanity, Jesus takes that and takes it on himself, and he dies for it on the cross. And so because of the cross, on the cross, Jesus died for all your sins. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are his child. Now we could leave, we, the, the chapter could end right there, and this would be absolutely amazing. The Bible could end right there, but it doesn't. And someone's even said that the rest of the Bible, the rest of the 66 books of the Bible, is commentary on this one Bible verse. As God unfolds his plan of salvation for us. And like I said, the chapter could end right there and it would be amazing. But it doesn't. It actually goes on. And as it goes on, it shows us that even in the midst of mess, God still helps. In the midst of the mess for Adam and Eve, God helped. He told them things would be different. This is what he said to the woman. He said, I will make your pain and childbearing very severe. The painful labor you will give birth to, with pain, labor, with painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and he ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curse as the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Life would be filled with trouble. Labor, birth, work, power struggles. Marriage, which one first created was this perfect unity of, of each person serving the other and putting the other person first, now would not be. I, I, I did a, a quick study here at Trinity, we have 18 couples who've been married over 50 years. Do the math, simple math, and that's over 900 years of marriage. And every one of those couples will tell you, marriage is, is not easy. It's hard work. Adam and Eve learned just how hard this world was going to be. And that was God in his compassion letting them know. But you also see God's compassion in how he helped them. This is what it says. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. 
he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So in compassion, he clothed them. And also in compassion, he protected them. Somehow, there is this other tree in the garden, and if they eat from that tree, the tree of life, they, they, would, they would live forever. Well, now that they had eaten the one fruit, and this world has now fallen, and sin was everywhere, and evil was everywhere, God did not want them to experience this forever. And so he banished them from that garden. He protected them. He made living in this world of evil only temporary. So that they would one day again experience the good, the eternal good of what God originally wanted for them. Okay, so, so this is going to sound weird. I, I understand this. But death, death was God's way of protecting them. The, the Hebrew word for evil is pronounced ra. And the Hebrew word for good is pronounced tov. Now that the world had fallen, this world, what they had was raw. It was evil. God wanted that not to be the end of the story. He wanted tov, good, to be the end of the story. Remember what death means. Death means separation. So through death, we become separated from the rah, from the evil of this world, so that we can enjoy the tov, the good of eternity in heaven. So, like I said, there, there's, there's a lot in this one chapter that we could talk about. But real quickly, so what are some takeaways in this chapter? Well, here are some. See temptation for what it is. See rah, or evil, for what it is. See temptation as, as the devil's way of trying to rid us of the tov, of the good. And so fight, resist that temptation, and we know we will sin. And so remember, the battle belongs to the Lord. He is the one that won. And so we will have that eternal tov, that eternal good, in heaven. See, as God was there for Adam and Eve in their mess, He's also there in the midst of our mess. And God helps. Every morning, I um, when I eat breakfast, I, I get out my phone and I 
look up local news to see what's gone on on WGN website, and, and I read things like this. Five-year hospitalized after pedestrian crash. Death toll in Maui raises to 93. Missing brothers, 8 and 11, considered a high risk. Rideshare driver, CCL holder, holder fires shots at Roberts. Chicago Police Department officer involved shooting in Morgan Park. There's a video, a postal carrier robbed at gunpoint on West Side. Amazon delivery uh, driver hospitalized after South Side shooting, and on and on and on. And I read things like this, and I wonder, why? How, how can people do some of these things? Genesis chapter 3 tells us why. The fall. But even more important than that, Genesis chapter 3 tells us what God did about it. He promised to send a Savior, His Son, Jesus, who came so that we would not experience raw evil forever, but instead that we would experience tov, good, very good, that lasts forever. That's what Genesis chapter 3 tells us. Amen.